Hey friends, and welcome back to The Sandwich. Today's episode is one that I've actually been mulling over, like I'm sure a lot of you have as parents with kids going back to school. And we're going to be talking today with a friend of mine who also happens to be a teacher and a mom of littles. And we're going to be talking about her thoughts on going back to school and just get into the whole discussion about school and COVID and how we feel about it and what we're doing. would like to introduce you to my friend, Anna. Hello. Hello. So Anna's going to tell us a little bit about what she does. And actually, if you've been an OG listener, Anna was on my platforms once before. When we, remember when I was doing the Facebook Lives? Mm-hmm. Back in the day. So, and we were speaking about education then. So we're going to be talking about that again today. Uh, but Anna, maybe tell us a little bit about what you do for work. Uh, Well, I currently am a high school teacher. I teach math primarily, although I do teach special education as well. I've been teaching for about 13 years now. Um, And I have young kids as well. I have a daughter, Phoebe, who is going into grade three and a daughter, Eleanor, who is going into grade one. So I have a lot of thoughts about... um, what it's going to look like for me in my own classroom, but also what my kids are going to be going into because they will be going back to school. That is our current plan. Absolutely. And I think for those listening, you know, we're in Ontario. And so we were recently given the announcement that we have to make a decision to do either distance learning or in-school learning. I don't think there's anything in, I know there's a lot right. of different options around the world, right? Um, and teachers were actually given the same option um, as well, whether or not you feel comfortable going back to teaching or whether if you prefer to, to be distance teaching. I did not know that. Yeah, that just came out this week. So oh. that's something else that teachers will have to mull over in the next few days. And so with that decision, so is that across the board, like elementary and high school? Yes. Mm. So I guess then that all plays into what classes will look like, right? Like class sizes? Yeah, I don't think that we're going to have a very good idea of what classes will be looking like or composed of or what teachers will be teaching, um, what courses or grades until September when school starts. It's going to be very chaotic from now until then. Okay, so we were recently actually on a really fun bike ride, and I happen to be friends with a lot of teachers. Thank goodness, because you guys always make me feel better, because I feel like this decision obviously is weighing heavy on so many of us as to like what to do. You know, we've been, we were forced into this distance learning um, in obviously earlier this year, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not very good at it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm a teacher and I'm not good at it. Okay, let's just start there. How was that for you to be doing the distance teaching as an educator and then trying to get your kids to do that at home? How did that work out? Well, um, as a math teacher, I I feel like I had an advantage. I um, naturally, our lessons are um, not necessarily, you know, I'm not doing a science lab or we're not getting our instruments out. So although it is not ideal by any means, I found the transition not as hard as other teachers would find. However, I found it was 
the least parts of my job that I enjoy. Uh, I love being in a classroom. I love interacting with my students. I love teaching and seeing the understanding in their eyes. That is what I love about teaching. What I don't necessarily love as much is, you know, the planning and the meetings, uh, which were there are a lot more of those, and just having no relationship with any of my students. So that was really difficult. Um, but, you know, if I had to do it, if, if that's fine, I, I can manage. Uh, with my own uh, children, you know, I, I don't know how many times I was told uh, by my oldest daughter that I am not her teacher. <laughs> Um, and at least once a day, they both resisted in their own ways. They both didn't like it in their own ways. We, I really tried to make the best of it. I think that I probably over tried for a little while and they really pushed back against it because I thought, well, I can do this. Like I can make teaching fun and like full respect, first of all, for elementary school teachers. I cannot do what they do. I, I'm amazed uh, whenever I see them in action. And then of course, uh, when I was trying with my own to just even deliver the content that I didn't even create that someone else created, uh, I found it very challenging on a day-to-day -day basis. So with that in mind, that was one of the reasons why we decided to send the kids back um, because they really did not enjoy distance learning. And by the end, I have to admit, even though I am a teacher, I just was kind of, I gave up on it and we tried to do, you know, this and that. Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, but generally it didn't go well. So mm. I, um, I wouldn't want to put my kids in that position again. It definitely affected uh, their learning and also more especially their, their mental health. So um, that's kind of how it went in a nutshell. It, it did not go well. It did not that, go well. <laughs> I feel like people, I feel like people listening might just kind of take this collective like deep breath because I think that there has been so much pressure on parents to do everything. And, you know, we've all seen the memes about all the hats that we're wearing. And I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure that once I saw that it was going to count for nothing, I was like, peace out. Like, it was too much to be working at the capacity that I was working, have a husband newly laid off and looking at your kids like, oh my gosh, now I, it's going to fall on me to pay, like school you. And like you were saying, I'm not their teacher. It was, it was a struggle, but I, you know, and obviously like it goes without saying everybody was doing the best that they could in the circumstances with mm -hmm. the, you know, what was provided as curriculum and all of this, but it was at these ages of eight and six, it's like you got to sit right next to them. And this was like mm -hmm. impossible because here I was speaking to someone else recently who's got children that are 11 and 13, different ball game. They can read the instruction. They can do the courses themselves. I'm like, wow, what's that like? You know, so it's an interesting time. And I, I too am in a situation where this was a big factor to send them back to school and that I really... Like if I have to do the, dis the distance learning, obviously, mm -hmm. I would do it, right? Yeah. Like you said too. But I mean, if we're all trying to do our best and be safe and go back to school, I think, I think we can do it, you know? So, oh, I forgot to mention actually, or ask you at the top, what ages do you teach at, in high school? Um, right now, for the most part, I only teach grade 11 and 12. It's been a long time since I've taught other grades. So I, um, you know, I had a lot on the totally end, other end of the spectrum, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety from these students who uh, marks are very important to them. 
um, it's math, so it's all very cumulative. So missing half a course isn't necessarily an option for them because they need to know that material for the year after. Uh, so it was like a complete opposite end of the spectrum where I would have a lot of the students who were very stressed out of distance learning because they are very high achieving students. Uh, that wasn't all, all of my students, but um, yeah, in, in general, it was a lot of stress and anxiety on their parts. And again, we didn't have that long much time to kind of develop any relationship with these students before COVID hit. So I didn't necessarily um, have that relationship in place to help and support them in the way that I normally would have if they were in my classroom. So it, that was another difficult aspect for them. And seeing how their mental health struggled through this. Um, it was significant. It was a significant amount of, of struggling. That I, I remember that I, I remember when all of this is happening and you know, you tend to be, okay, what can I focus on? All right, I'm gonna look at my kids and their mental health. And then as things settle down in your own head, you're sort of paying attention to how this was impacting others. It really hit me at graduation when you would see all the photos of teenagers like sitting on their cars and trying to like celebrate this end of year, but not in the way that is like that you would hope. Mm -hmm. And it just took me right back to those days. And I was one of those stressed out high school students. So worried about the next phase. So completely different. Like you can't just walk away from your course when this is going to count towards your university. And, and so, yeah, you were kind of seeing it from both sides yes. for sure. Well, and it's a loss of tradition. Like you said, I had a grade 11 um, academic class so it's a loss of their year, but now they're also mourning the loss of grade, their grade 12 year in addition to that. So they're realizing that not only did their grade 11 year um, not turn out the, the way they wanted, their sports, their activities, their leadership roles that they were in, but next year they're also not going to have sports. They're not going to have graduation. They're not going to have prom. So that's a significant loss and um, it weighs heavy on them. Wow. That is huge, isn't it? These are things that haven't really crossed my mind, honestly, because it's not in my field of vision with little ones, right? Okay, so let's talk about now. So here we are, uh, all trying to figure out what we're doing. I, I noticed that they extended the deadline in Ontario to the 13th to figure out mm -hmm. if one should decide to go or not. So I finally pulled the trigger Yesterday, I think it was, and it was a relief. Even I did too. <laughs> oh, I was like, Damn. yeah, I, I, I saw you did it. And I said, I, I should get on this. I mean, I should be the responsible person here. <laughs> I am a teacher here. <laughs> I did it as well. Yes. Oh, it felt good just to make the decision. Right. And I was like, okay, yep. now that that decision's made, I mean, let's talk about what are the, what masks are they cool with wearing and, mm -hmm. you know, getting the hand sanitizer ready. So maybe let's start with our kids. And then I want to learn more about how this can impact you as an educator. So tell me, what are your thoughts about the, the elementary school side of things going back? Well, again, even that, it, I think, depends on the grade. Um, so in Ontario, for grade K to 3, they're not required to wear masks um, or social distance. Um, so thankfully, grade 1 to 3 classes, they do have a class size cap, I think, of 21. So it, you are talking about smaller class sizes. Um, you know, I think it's just a matter of um, having everything in place ahead of time and being almost overprepared. Like I would rather just like at the beginning of the pandemic when I'm like cleaning all my groceries and like 
going like I was crazy. I was one of the people that was doing all the things because I was very paranoid. Well, you know what? Like no harm, no foul. Like it turns out that a lot of things aren't transmissible through touch. So I didn't need to worry about cleaning my groceries. At least that's how I feel right now. Um, so I feel like probably at the beginning of the school, we're going to over-prepare because I'd rather be over-prepared than just send them off and hope for the best and then suddenly there's an outbreak. So uh, until we know more information, which we will not know until school starts, um, I'm going to over-prepare my kids and myself in my classroom as well. So some of the things that I have thought about um, and starting to talk, I'm talking to my kids a lot about these things is having the right supplies in place. So I've thought about uh, each kid having a fanny pack um, and in the fanny pack is maybe an extra mask, some hand sanitizer, maybe some tissues, because you don't want them walking around, you know, grabbing tissues. Um, maybe get one of those mask clips, either the ones that go around or there are ones now that kind of hang off. I'm not making any claims about sanitization or necessarily what is the best in terms of, of masks. Um, I think trying out a whole bunch of different masks. I see a lot of people saying, you know, my kid doesn't like this mask, these masks and they're not comfortable. I'm like, well, I honestly, we probably tried about four or five different masks until we found ones that my children would wear. I don't know if you found the same, oh, yeah. same case. And maybe we're not even there yet. Maybe there's ones that are even better. But I, I will try to do whatever I can to get them the most comfortable mask possible. Even though masks are not required for my children, they will be going and wearing masks. I've now communicated with a number of the other parents in those grades and they feel the same way. They said, well, we don't care what the rules are. They're going to be wearing masks. So I think um, they, it is recommended. I should say they have recommended the kids wear them. So I'm hopeful that most kids will wear them. I'm in the same, but I feel the same with the mask thing. Like even last night I was eyeing those face shields and I was like, oh wait, I was looking at other people and they live in other parts of the world. I'm like, I got to see if the face shields are appropriate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you know actually? Well, they're certainly not recommended the same as face masks. Like they're not a replacement. Like a lot of places where they have laws in place for face masks, um, shields are not a replacement. They, you gotcha. can't wear them. I think it might be better than nothing, but I also think, I mean, I'm going to be speaking out of turn because I'm not an expert on this, but I do feel like I've maybe read that they sometimes can make it a little bit worse. Mm. I'm not sure. Uh, don't quote me on that. Um, well, and it seems so, like a lot to wear. I was like, well, that yeah. might be nice, you know, I was like thinking, okay, because I know there's a lot of discussion, like you can't see mouths or smiles and that's harder mm -hmm. with the little ones. And I know that they're starting to make masks where you can, you know, there's like a little transparent spot where the lips are so you can see what's happening. But like you, I think being over-prepared at the start and just having all of the things within easy reach and the masks that they like. I mean, I just went out and bought these single-use ones, which I know are not great for the environment, but I'm like... We're going to just start with this because Jack really Absolutely. Likes, like he likes the patterns and I'm like, cool. Do they make kids versions of those? Those are musk that you they can buy? They did. They were okay. not cheap. I will tell you that okay. much. <laughs> of course but not. I was like, okay, we'll buy this instead of backpacks. That's what you're getting. Fancy face masks. <laughs> um, just to start, right? And, and like Esme's are pink instead of the classic blue and things. So anyway, but like you, it's like have all the different options available and whichever one they prefer. 
that's what we're going to use. And I love the idea of a fanny pack with the little hand sanitizer and getting it all ready. Um, that's pretty cool. Because so, okay. schools say that, the, yeah, schools say they're going to have all of these supplies in hand. And I, I do trust them to a certain extent, but the, schools aren't necessarily known for going above and beyond when it comes to hygiene, especially elementary. There's only so much they can do. And there's only so much budget that people are willing to allow the government to put in place. Um, so, you know, I'd rather my kids be prepared with their own things. That's kind of how, and then, you know, kids are going up, they're using the pants and as they're coming down, that's a lot of movements that might not, not be necessary. Right. It's funny how, you know, and, and having one that's going into grade four this year, it's like, okay, things also have to be kind of cool, you know, like it's, oh yeah right? And so you're thinking, oh, I'm like, okay, so what's a cool mask? You know, like it's such a mm-hmm. strange thing to be thinking about this. It's, such, it's so surreal, but I like this idea of being over. Well, as that kind of goes into my, um, what I was thinking about normalizing all of this mm. ahead of time in terms of like, we've now had a lot of play dates where they're out playing with their friends and they're wearing masks and they are learning to communicate. Um, they're learning to play. And I think that's important. If you just shove a kid in a class and with their mask on, you know, first day, and they've never really interacted with their friends wearing their masks, that can be probably a hard transition as well. Um, you know, you do what you got to do, but I just have found it already helpful. I think kids are very resilient. They are capable of incorporating changes into their lives, maybe even more than adults do. So if you just say to your friends, okay, yeah, you guys don't even have, you know, don't worry so much about social distancing if you're wearing your mask. They're like, okay, and they're wearing their mask. And then through that, natural conversations occur ahead of time, which is uh, talking about why we're wearing a mask, keeping it positive, of course, um, learning how to take off your mask and on your mask, not to be touching in your face. Um, those conversations need to happen at a fairly regular amount before they start so it is normal to them you know like just like when you get in the car and you put your seatbelt on you do all those safety precautions that you're normally used to but those things are normal and it's not like a teacher is having to like address it with them for the first time which can be very overwhelming for a child I think I love that it's almost like when they were starting JK and I remember (laughs) With Jack, I was like, we're going to eat lunch out of your lunchbox so that you know how to open it. And like, you know, exactly normalizing what's to come. I even had a great question. One of them was like, do we take it off in the bathroom? And I was like, that was a great question. And no, <laughs> like you leave it on, right? So it's true. It's like, as they're getting used to the idea, you know, what's this going to look like in the day? It's like, you can't just put it down on the desk. You know, you have Mm -hmm. to, like, that's another thing. I didn't even think about that until I was actually chatting with you and some of our friends about, oh yeah, what are they going to do for lunch? Like, where do they put these masks? Right? Like it's, it's a whole, you got to kind of outline what this day is going to look like. Well, it also like something that I never really thought about until I was with Phoebe one time and she said, oh, that man isn't, you know, wearing a mask and we were out and about I said, oh, I need to also have conversations with her because she is a, what we call her a little justice warrior. Yes. So <laughs> she'll be in a class and a kid isn't wearing a mask or even wearing it improperly. And that will be a struggle for her. She will call it out. She will be frustrated. And the teacher is definitely going to hear about it. And so it's also about having conversations about how other people are dealing with this um, and then how you 
communicate not only with your friends, but also people that you might not necessarily be friends with, you know, and always leading with kindness in those conversations. Because you don't know, maybe they do have a health concern, you know, it is not a requirement. So, but then also making sure they understand how important it is. It's very hard. Oh, <laughs> it's very I did hard. not. I didn't even think about that side of it because it drives me crazy. I feel like Phoebe, when I mm -hmm. see people wearing it wrong or not wearing their masks, I'm like, don't say anything, like leave it alone. Because you're right, like we don't know what the reasons are. It's not always just because they're ignorant. It's, there's various other reasons. So that's something else I didn't even think about. Like you had to have those conversations, what that's going to look like. You're right, because in the threes and unders, it's not mandatory and... Some of those little ones are really little in JK and may not be comfortable wearing those, the masks. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm not sure how the kindergarten teachers are going to handle it, to be honest. So, <laughs> oh. And you know what? I'll be curious to see how many kids are actually back because I had a mm -hmm. poll on my Instagram and it was like 50-50 almost with, wow. I mean, which surprised me um, with parents choosing to keep their kids home versus send them to school. I thought it would be more to go back to school. So that was interesting. And then I guess it's true that a lot of families are impacted where not everybody's back to work. So they can make that decision a little easier. Yeah, I feel like if, I don't know, I've asked myself, if I wasn't working, would this decision be different? If I didn't, you know, if I was home, if I was on maternity leave for whatever reason, would this decision be different? And I don't think that it would have been. Um, so I do think it's what's best for my kids. But it's, again, it's a play by ear situation. So we are also willing to change our minds if there's a concern. Um, I do feel like the government will, personally, um, I do feel like the government would step in if there were major concerns like they did before. But I am also willing to pull my kids out of school if I felt like it was necessary. So uh, I do think we need to start that way. It's not as easy to um, do online learning and then transition back into the classroom if things are going well. So I kind of want to see how it goes. I'm on the same wavelength as you. It's like it's easier to start and pull them out and start distance learning. And, you know, and I, and I, I mean, look how quickly they acted when things got wild in March. And so I'm, I'm fairly certain that they're going to be keeping a very close eye on what's going on. And if there's outbreaks, like I'm, I'm expecting there will be moments mm -hmm. where we're not in school. Um, but even if it's just a short taste of going back to school, I feel like it's going to be so impactful on them, on their mental health and how they're feeling about school. Because I also think that the, all of this time away compounded by the fact that we kind of didn't do distance learning. Not Both of my kids are not feeling the same about returning to school. One of them's excited <laughs> and one of them is like, I'm, I don't need this anymore. Like I'm, you right. know, how long well, that has it has its own issues. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, I have my, yeah, I have two different kids as well. One that is, that as time has gone on, uh, is so eager to go back and needs to socialize and needs to be with her friends. And then I have another one that's become a little bit more um, into herself, a little bit more clinging on to me, a little bit more nervous around new situations. That's my younger one. So I think that she really needs the opportunity to branch out and be away from her parents and be away from her older sister and be with her friends alone, which she has not done you know, for five months. So 
that's important too. Absolutely. You know, after we were chatting about what it's going to look like in the classrooms, uh, you know how at least we do this in our schools where, you know, at the beginning of the year, the teachers often ask for things like tissue boxes and markers and stuff like that. And I'm like, it'll be curious to see you know, what kind of comes in that list, if anything, because I am down to provide some gift cards for like hand sanitizer setups in the classrooms. And Mm -hmm. like, that sounds great to me, you know, as, as an opportunity for parents to give, to give back if they can. What do you think about that? That's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't necessarily think it would be like that in high school. We've never sent out lists. Uh, certainly I would, (laughs) I would ask my students to have their own hand sanitizer. Um, but, um, absolutely. It's not like they're going to be, I don't know how they're going to do supplies and things like that, sharing them. I don't think that they can. So yeah, I I I haven't thought about that. That's smart. One thing that does give me some hope is that recently Esme started a group sport. And it surprised me that actually it came back into like, it was supposed to start in March. And then about a month ago, we start getting the emails that like, oh no, this is rolling out. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, we're so, all of us have been stuck at home for so long, but I've been so impressed with their, uh, the way that they've been so considerate on how to manage the kids. It's like, and the kids like fall in line. Like you said, they're very resilient. Like they stand the six feet apart. They've got little stickers on the ground. They follow the arrows through the facility. Everyone gets temperature checked. Hands and feet get sprayed with hand sanitizer. And everybody's kind of getting into this habit of they have their own water bottle. They have their own hand sanitizer. And I, th- I think it's actually going to go fairly well um, mm-hmm. because kids maybe don't want to listen to their parents but a, most kids do listen to their teachers. They will fall in line. You know, I really, I don't know how many times I've heard over the last little while, like, oh, you can't expect kids to do that. And just very dismisses what kids are capable of. And I think if people were to speak to elementary school teachers, um, and if they had their kids and you saw them in action in these scenarios, you would understand that kids are very capable and teachers are very capable. Uh, we have all sorts of rules in school that kids get in line and, and do. And yeah, you have the outliers of the kids that do not follow rules. And that will happen here as well. But in general, I think a lot of kids can follow the rules. They can wear their masks. They can get in line. They can social distance as much as possible. They will listen to their teachers. That's the majority of kids. Can teachers have classes where it is a struggle for any number of reasons, like absolutely. I'm not saying all classes are like that. Um, But I think in general, population-wise, I think kids can handle it. Oh yeah, and then considering the kids have missed out and lost, just as much as we have in all of this, right? Like you said, you know, with these high school students who are potentially missing out on their final year, it is everything to them at that age. Well, then at the little ages, having their friends, having time with teachers who they really, a lot of kids like their teachers, you know, this has been quite a loss in their life. And so I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they appreciate how good it's going to be for them to be back. Not yeah. like, you know, who knows how long it'll be back for, but I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Just uh, one thing yeah. that you were talking about when you said uh, at the school, act. sorry, the activity outside of school uh, that Esme's in, I think, is cheerleading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they go in, there's a whole procedure that's happening there. 
when she goes in. And I've seen that basically across the board with any activities happening right now. But those checks and balances aren't necessarily going to be there with regular schools. So I've been thinking about implementing a lot of those, again, at the beginning when we're not sure, implementing a lot of those procedures in my own home. So that might mean um, temperature checks in the morning before school. Um, I've seen people talking about the um, oxygen saturation monitors that you can get on Amazon. I don't know how valid those are. Um, you know, leaving your shoes and backpacks outside afterwards, wiping things down. Uh, maybe you have your bath after school instead of before bed. Just taking those extra precautions at the beginning until you kind of see what's happening with the school rollout. So those um, procedures that you see at clubs or you know cheerleading or dance or whatever that's happening right now, you can implement those because they won't be doing those at school. They're not going to be spraying every kid's feet down and you know taking temperature checks. I don't think every morning. So those things that maybe you can do at home, and that's what we plan to be doing. That is a so. genius idea. Like that's what I've been thinking is, okay, when the kids come out of school, what's this going to look like for getting into the car, you know, because right. they just touched everything all day. Um, but that's a great idea to have, almost have like that spray hand sanitizer like they have at these facilities, give their hands, their bottoms of their feet, shoes, a little spray before they even hop in the car or, you know, some kids take the bus and walk. So it's different, but I love that. It's like, go over the top at the start. Well, you know what made me think of it is someone was, was talking about how teachers should be, um, mm. you know, as a teacher going back, it's like, okay, make sure you're leaving your clothes just like, you know, nurses did or, you know, when anybody that's an essential worker at the beginning of the epidemic, um, the pandemic was saying, like, you've got to take all these extra procedures to make sure that you're okay. I'm like, well, I'll be doing that, but what about my kids? <laughs> They're far more likely to be exposed than I am, I think, in my situation. So why not try to implement some of those procedures in my own house? I love that. My kids. Makes you feel like you have a little bit more control over the situation too, which I am needing all of those feelings right now. <laughs> like, how can I have I no control. control. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. It sounds like I have a lot of answers, but I'm just as confused and lost as everybody, really. I, I, I'm, very, I'm very nervous. Right. And that's the other thing. It's like, let's not kid ourselves. Just because we've made the decision to go back to school doesn't mean we're not still field, filled with anxiety and stress about said decision. It's just, how can you be best prepared to do it? And, you know, there's a lot of families like you who are working with two partners working, like, it's not an option to keep everybody home right now. Like this is what we have to do. This is where many families are in this yeah. position. So I think we've covered some really good ground with the little ones. So let's talk about what it's going to look like for you going back. Like you mentioned, okay, you're going to have some steps in place to take care of yourself when you come home and leave your things separate from your family's things. I feel like one real positive thing about high school is the class sizes are going to be a lot smaller. At least in but, our area. Yeah. At least oh. in our area. So they've decided in Ontario, um, different regions are going to have different rules based on what they see as, um, you know, risk factors um, and current stats. 
So, and they, so they kind of finally just made a decision. And so some schools are going back basically full-time regular classes. Um, and then our school board um, are not doing that. They have a very strange um, schedule that's going to be coming out um, that everyone will have to adapt to. It, it ends up being somewhat like a summer school situation where they have one course in one day and they're there for four and a half hours. Um, so I'll have kids with me for four and a half hours every day, basically. Um, and they're only taking two courses at a time. So I think that I actually really like the schedule or the idea in terms of a least amount of exposure. Masks are mandatory. Um, and I'll, they're done in cohorts. So I'll only have maximum 15 students in my class at one time. I also have windows in my class. And a lot of high schools don't have that, um, believe it or not. So I'm feeling pretty good about going back and the, and the procedures. Okay. And what is the typical, because it's been a while since I've been in high school, <laughs> what's the typical <laughs> amount of time that you have students in a day? Uh, normally, you have them for 75-minute periods, four periods a day. Oh, and it would be different, like different groups of kids. Yeah, so four different groups, and now I'm going to have one group for four and a half hours straight, which is a big change. I know for elementary teachers, that's not a big, big deal, but um, yeah, we, we have, and we have a lot of different situations, high anxiety kids, kids that smoke, um, that will need smoke breaks. I don't know how that will work. Um, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how any of this is going to work. High school kids are quite the mix. Um, and so you have some that have a lot of struggles, a lot of difficulty. And to sit in a classroom for four and a half hours straight is, is pretty difficult for them. So I'm going to have to see how that aspect goes. I think it'll end up being fine because it has to be fine. You're right. Like there's no other option, <laughs> right? It's like you just get to figure this out. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Like when you think about how high school students are, there's a lot of mingling. You're running around hallways and stuff. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I don't remember so much like the class time in high school. I remember all the social time. And like you didn't yeah. have a special math teacher that you remember, Amanda. <laughs> She wasn't like you, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, that's going to be like... And didn't you tell me that you're actually going to be like sharing lunch periods with your like students? Like, you're just together. I, I assume so. Wow. Yeah, well, you're together, but then there's also an aspect of online learning that they have to do as well. So it's both. So you're not just signing up for all in class. It's also online. Um, right. But yeah. We're, we're together for hours, I assume including lunch. Um, how it's going to look in my classroom, I'm not, I'm not really sure yet. There's a lot of things, decisions that still need to be made, but I assume, you know, you're just spreading those kids out 15. I'll be wearing a mask, they're wearing a mask. The other, the other aspect when I said the online part of it is that I have to also create content for online. So I might just be recording every lesson that I do because you have to imagine I'm going to be teaching grade 11, grade 12, university-driven students that have a lot of content that needs to be delivered. So I can't just miss content. So it might be that I have that they're in class one day and then the next day they are watching my lesson that I'm doing in class with the other group of 15 students. Right. Oh, that's a really great thing to do because why repeat, right? Like if they're going to, mm -hmm. right? I, yeah, I feel like there's the biggest change 
in our community here is for high school students, like how this is going to mm-hmm. look and how it's going to roll out. And like you said, you're not even quite sure yet. Like, yeah, I wish I had more answers, uh, but there, yeah, we just don't really know. Um, because not only that, I think people need to understand that if you um, decide to not go to in-class learning, that in fact doesn't mean that there's going to be smaller classes because the funding I don't want to get too much into the complicated <laughs> jargon here, but the funding for that student is now going to the centralized location for a distance learning teacher that may or may not be at that school. Right. So right. that means they'll have to redistribute students. Um, so it doesn't mean that class sizes would be smaller. There might be loss of classes where they say, okay, we've lost 30 students from the school, so now we need to lose a course. Right. You had mentioned this the it's, other day. It's kind of complicated. Uh, right. But the message I want to get through is that just because some parents are keeping their, their children home does not mean that there's going to be smaller class sizes because of it. And is that across the board, like elementary and high school? Yeah. yeah. That's what I was wondering. And, you know, that was, I was saying to myself, even like, this is just me making up my own things. But I was like, okay, well, they're in the French program. And Mm -hmm. so like they usually have small classes, but then you're right. Like if a lot of students opt to do distance learning, they'll might, they'll probably start merging classes and having these split classes and they may not be smaller. Right. Yeah. So So a lot of those things that I don't know might until September. Right. So you, so definitely like there's pros and cons at each each decision is difficult. Each grade, whether it's elementary or high school, it has its challenges. Like on the, on the pro side, you've got grown people, you know, who know how to wear masks and understand the reasoning why and will figure it out, right? Because they've probably mm-hmm. likely been social themselves um, and understand like how to get by. So you're not dealing with that side of it. Where on the elementary side, you're like, please don't sit next to your friend and share your grapes. Like, <laughs> you know, like... Please don't. Oh my gosh. Or worse. Oh, and they're so handsy at the at those ages, right? Like, yeah. Jack's little buddy. Every time he at the beginning of the day, he just like runs up to Jack, gives him a big bear hug. I'm like, we're gonna have to figure out how to not do that, you know? Like it's all these little things. So, you know, we've been talking about how our kids are so different, like the two of them. I've got kind of like an introvert, a little extrovert. You know, I would imagine that things are similar in high school. You've got kids who love being social butterflies and then ones who maybe don't mind the changes. Have you kind of seen this? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Even during online learning, I know I I talked a lot about um, students whose mental health suffered, but there were definitely some students that thrived in that environment. Um, They don't like being at school. I mean, I'm sure there are people here listening that went to high school and didn't like it for various reasons. And, but they're forced to go and they're forced to confront um, any number of mental health issues that they have because they have to be at school. So here's an opportunity for them to get all of the quality learning, but without having to be in a classroom. So I do think that a number of parents that may have chosen to keep their children at home, their children have actually done better with online learning. Um, and that's great. And this is a great model for those students. So it's not all negative and it's not, it, I, to me, it's, it's a nice opportunity to 
see how education could be different. That's such a great positive look at it because it's true. Like it's so easy to see the holes in things and to focus on the negative. And, you know, I've got friends whose kids have, are they called IEPs? Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Right. And so they're individual education plans. Yes. And they're <laughs> very excited to, you know, have their help back and, and all the benefits that come to help their kids. And I don't know anything about that. So I shouldn't even have brought it up, but I just know that like, you know, there's, there's been assistance to families. That's been so helpful that they've been lacking. And then, like you said, there's other kids who thrive setting the pace themselves and being independent about their work and maybe even be doing better, which is such a great way to look at it. So I really like that. I guess to kind of wrap up this conversation, Some of the big takeaways for me are looking at implementing, like as a parent, implementing those steps to make you feel safe and comfortable with what you can control in a situation where there appears to be none, right? Like, like, haven't we been doing that for five months already? (laughs) (laughs) What else can I control or pretend to control? You know, it's like getting the cool masks that they want to wear, a style that they like. Um kind of prepping them a bit beforehand, having the conversations about what they can expect. Um, I really like that side of it to look at those things and like, you know, what would be some takeaways for you to some listeners who might be worried about what to expect from teachers and what are your thoughts on that? Well, I definitely think you could assume that the teachers want to be as safe as possible, not only for themselves, but for every child that is in that classroom. Um, they're nervous, they're anxious, they want to communicate with you and feel free to communicate with them if you're feeling nervous. Or I had a, I had a parent message me in the spring and just said, can you give me a rundown of what your online class is looking like? Great, I would love to. You know, these are things that necessarily teachers think about, but if you have anxiety as a parent, then just speak to that anxiety and contact the teacher or the principal. That's what they're there for. So don't ever feel nervous about wanting to communicate with the parent, with the teacher. I always try to over, yeah, I always try to over communicate with my parents, but there are lots of things that I don't think about that I'll get a question and I really appreciate those questions, especially under these circumstances. Well, you're right. Like this is such new territory for everyone and we're trying to figure it out together. And you're right. Like if you have questions, I mean, we're all in this together. And, you know, I think that's a great point to bring up is that teachers are also nervous. And from what I gathered from speaking to some of our friends who are working in the elementary side of things, I mean, they are so concerned about the health and safety of their classrooms and they're going above and beyond. I mean, spending their own money to get these sanitization stations set up and all these little things. And honestly, that, that really like gave me some comfort. I mean, I know not everybody's like that. Not everybody can afford to do that. But just the fact that the thought is there, it's like they care for your kids too. And nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to see outbreaks. We all hope this goes well, right? Absolutely. Very well said. Yeah. Well, thank you for chatting with me today. Oh, you're very awesome. This is really nice. <laughs> this was nice. I was, so, uh, I was so grateful that Anna was going to chat with us. I thought, let's get like an actual educator and let's talk about it and what this might look like from both sides. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode today. Normally I tell you guys to go follow my guests, but this is like a real person. Maybe... <laughs> 
maybe don't try to find her. Okay. She's my friend. Um, <laughs> you can join my, my math classroom where I can teach you all the quadratics and trigonometry. <laughs> I love it. Math, nerds, find Anna. Um, I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, listen, we're going to wrap it up. Best of luck with your decision making. And you know what? Yeah. There's no shame either way. We will figure this out together. And I will Absolutely. catch you in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.